Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. everybody, I'm Kevin. And I'm John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies, and we're breaking them all the way down. That's right. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But as always, we're coming from a place of love. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. <laughs> hey John, how are you doing? Hello, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm fucking great. Yeah, we are. We're um, we're both doing great. We are reveling in a an Atlanta Braves victory this afternoon. That's right. We watched a ball game this afternoon in a in a stadium with people. Uh, yeah. It 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 took some doing. Thank God we're vaxxed, I guess you can yeah. put put the whole COVID thing in the back of your mind. But it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So we're we're we got a nice base coat down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're here to talk about one of my very, very favorite yes. action movies. Well, hold on. First of all, new business. That's right. Listeners. <laughs> the minutes from the last meeting, please. Uh, <laughs> we are happy to announce that the podcast, we were approached by the good fellows at uh, the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. Awesome. So we're in league with those guys now. <laughs> That's right. So you might be listening to us on our own feed. You might be listening to us on the last of the action heroes podcast network feed. Um, and we're happy to be here. Uh, yes. It's, it's a bunch of dudes doing like-minded podcasts. I think they have a couple of Stallone podcasts, which probably grinds your gears. We hope, well, we hope that they don't listen to our <laughs> podcast and then, and then take issue with I think our opinions. A, they got a Dolph Lundgren podcast. I think Bad there's ass. some James Bond stuff going on over there. So it's pretty rad. Um, it was awesome to be, noticed and found out Absolutely. and sought out and everything like that. So if you're listening to us, uh, we uploaded our commando series as a little bit of a sneak preview. Uh, we'll be trying to get new episodes up weekly on that feed. If you love what you're hearing, we've also got a, a shit ton of back catalog. Um, you can probably yes. find us where you, where you find your podcast. If you search us out on our own, uh, six degrees of Schwarzenegger, we've got, Tons of old Schwarzenegger movies there, as well as some of our favorite Van Damme flicks. Yes. Um, what Point Break? I mean, Roadhouse. Yeah, we. I mean, we. <laughs> yeah, we. As as the uh, as our opening script says, we kind of pick through the catalog, as it were. Yeah, it's the golden age. It's the age of Arnold, but um, there was a lot of good non-Arnold output. So we try to to go heavy on Arnold, but also mix in some of our other all-time faves for sure. Um, and today. We're going to talk about one of my top five, probably all time action flicks, 1981's Mad Max 2. Just barely makes the cut, time wise. <laughs> slash the Road Warrior. Right. Um, 
renamed in some markets because apparently people didn't really from they Americans weren't familiar with had the, never seen Mad Max the original Mad Max. So, what are your thoughts on the original Mad Max? Um, it's also awesome. Yeah, agree. It's not. It's nothing compared to the sequel. No, I mean I feel like it was probably a fraction of the budget of this one, and this one feels low budget. Yeah, though I think it was the highest budgeted ever Australian production at the time that it was made. I believe it just given the stunts and everything else that they had in this thing. So I feel like the, yeah, I feel like the original Mad Max was like, it's kind of like alien versus aliens. One is like a slow burn. That's a good comparison. Yeah. You know, thing versus just an over the top action. Like a truck, like a truck, like a machine. Um, (laughs) But like, it's, I feel like this movie was like, I didn't really realize until I started really digging in. It's like the infancy of the action, the modern action genre. Right. You were just talking about this a second ago, and I guess I'd never really considered it because I, I really know, like I, we were talking about how timeless this movie is. So to remember that it was made as early as it was, is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. I don't think I was born yet when this movie came out. I for sure was not. Um, I don't know that it came to America until 82, perhaps. But mm-hmm. yeah, it released elsewhere in the world in 81, um, which is just, yeah, super duper early for a movie that it this, as you said, it still feels so modern. Yeah. Like there's other movies that came out in 81 that have not aged as well. And this one feels like I think probably for 81, it was ahead of its time. Right the rest of the world sort of caught up with it. I mean, honestly, like if you love Mad Max Fury Road as I do, yeah, like this is essentially the same movie. That one just had yeah. much more of a production budget, um, but very similar themes and everything else. For sure. I was, yeah, my research revealed to me that basically like in 1968 is when the MPAA sort of instituted a rating system. It used to be okay. either fail or pass. <laughs> like you're either... You're, it can be shown or You're adequate... To be shown to everyone or you're not. I think, um, I feel like Bonnie and Clyde came out in like 67 and sort of forced the MPAA's hand. Right. She's like, boy, this is not for kids. Right. Um, but it's also a, a spectacular film. Like a lot of those early Kurosawa movies were not rated. Right. The MPAA said, we will not clear you to whatever. But um, yeah. That's crazy to me. I mean, you had Bond movies and other like Kurosawa movies, as I mentioned, that they weren't like, as far as I know, they weren't like R-rated type fare, though. It was sort of like campy yeah. with huge action stuff. Right. But they weren't, they didn't revel in the, the, in the violence and the, and the profanity and the boobies, all that stuff, the boobs. Yeah. And then I think in the 70s, it was sort of like exploring what we can do with an R rating mm-hmm. now that... You know, you had stuff like The Godfather coming out. But you we were just talking about, um, we were just talking about like exploitation movies. Yeah. And I feel like the action genre is a is a direct descendant of exploitation. I agree with that. You yeah. had stuff coming out that was cool, like early John Carpenter movies, mm-hmm. Assault on Precinct 13, right. and stuff like like Dolomite, like we've talked about previously on this, or um and you you had like gritty cop movies. They weren't actually I don't think of them as action movies, stuff like Dirty Harry or French Connection or Death Wish. Right. They're sort of noirish. Yeah. 
they were violent and they were profane, but they didn't have like big explosions and huge like stunts. or the Great Escape and stuff like that. Not prototypical action movies. Like people were doing stuff with gangster movies and and war movies, mm-hmm. monster movies or disaster movies were right. like a big thing in the seventies right. and karate movies. Sweet, or like <laughs> all the Bruce Lee stuff and early early Chuck Norris. Yeah. Um, and various other exploitation stuff like there was, I mean, there was basically like car chase movies, right? Ex- movies yeah, like yeah, Death yeah, Race yeah. 2000 or, or other, uh, gone in 60 seconds, mm-hmm. like, and even bullet and perhaps, um, in black exploitation movies and slasher movies. And I sort of feel like in the late seventies, early eighties, everything was like sort of converging. You had filmmakers who were like, you know what? I could put everything that I like together in one movie, right? Like it doesn't have to be, just it's a car chase movie like it could have bigger themes or whatever i think yeah it's like we can combine all the shit that we like and crank it up to 11 boy and this, they george <laughs> did it in this one for sure totally dude <laughs> it could be simple stories big stunts gratuitous violence and bad language and explosions and nudity all the stuff that that boys dream about <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so 81 yes. the year this movie came out also produced Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is amazing. Which I don't think of it as action per se. I think of that as an adventure film. Yeah, same. Like a James Bondish type it's sort of, thing. Yeah, it's for, it's for everyone. It, it has very much. It's like swashbuckling. I think of like Errol yes. Flynn and that and that because even that's a that's a good uh, note to have. It's like action in movies existed. Yeah, but that it was not this. It was not like. The, the story exists to service the action. Right. Um, also, this year, Escape from New York came out. Uh, that's what, another thing that I think of as being noirish, though. It's like it was sort of that on the on the fringe of an exploitation, but mm-hmm. they obviously spent a ton of money on it. Yeah. Like before that, you had a bunch of exploitation movies that were just so cheaply made. I think the success of this movie, plus Escape from New York and Raiders of Lost Ark, sort of showed studios that we could if we pump i mean like there's money to be made here we can make big budget right exploitation movies push the envelope a little bit the year following uh Conan and the Barbarian came out which put Arnold on the on the map right for real first blood and rocky 3 all came out in 82 which i feel like introduced the whole like the steroid era yeah. of action movies oh fuck yeah like <laughs> bigger muscles and bigger action bigger violence yep um and yeah, I think after that, it was just like all bets were off and it was like every action movies started coming fast and the furious. Coke fueled eighties had begun. <laughs> the, it's the, it's, it was the, it was like the Reagan era, like excess, bigger, 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 deeper. <laughs> um, so this movie, Australian production directed by George Miller. What else has George Miller even done besides this and Fury Road? But this, all the Mad Max films. Yeah. Um, oh, and yes, then some other interesting pictures. Witches of Eastwick. Okay. Oh, yeah. He did Babe, Pig in the City. Okay. Uh, he did Happy Feet, the animated Penguins family film. What? He directed. That's yeah. crazy. It's strange. He's got range, that George. Apparently so. I don't know that he's ever exceeded what he's done in the Mad Max universe. No, I don't think. I, I think that his vision is crystallized in those movies. He Everything did, else is like. Apparently, he was asked to direct First Blood, 
and and Fuck. turned it down because he was in the middle of working on this film. I got this other project I'm working on, but it's closer to my heart, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> you know, amazing. I don't have to leave Australia. We use the term written probably lightly yeah, in this film. Yeah. But it was written by George Miller, Terry Hayes, Brian Hannant. Hannant, yeah, I would assume so. Um, those dudes have written some other things. Yeah. But this movie, as we've discussed, there's like not a whole lot of... It's heavy on action, light on story, light on dialogue. Yeah, it's only it's only when he, when Max is with the people like in the refinery compound that there is some loose dialogue, but there's nothing like... Yeah, hours didn't go into deciding what these people were going to say. Well, so as um, I've referenced before on the podcast on that amazing documentary, The Last of the Action Heroes Mm -hmm. uh, or In Search of the Last Action Heroes documentary, they talk about the reason that action does so well is because you almost don't it, it translates universally. Yeah. Like you almost you could watch this movie without speaking English and I think you'd still enjoy it. Yep. Like Agreed. you don't even need subtitles. It's just like. And I think that's the way with great action movies is just they point out like, you know, you've heard of Jackie Chan and you've heard of Jet Li and you've heard of Van Damme, but you haven't heard of other big stars from Belgium or wherever else because they didn't they aren't doing action movies. Right. It's the truth. Yeah. I don't know who it's the a best good point. I don't know who the best Belgian drama dramatic actor is. I don't know. But either. I know who Van Damme is. Yep. Um, Music by Brian May. Not the Queen guitarist. <laughs> no, that would be awesome. It I first, would be. The first time I was aware of the of the name similarity there, I was like, wait, that Brian? It's not the that The timing Brian would May. be right, right? Yeah, For totally. it to be him. But yeah. yeah, not him. Apparently, Brian May is Australian. Um, he done some other things that I've seen. But I like, love the score of this movie. It's He, like John Williams, rips some things off directly yeah. from like the the classical music uh pantheon especially like holst the planets there's one scene where it like is like note for note da 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 um, the director of photography was Dean Semler, who was also the director of photographer on the last film we talked about, Last Action Hero. He did so many good movies. Yeah. He was like, I think he got locked in as like, I'm the reliable dude to be a DP for action films. Yep. But yeah, I, I wrote down here, he did Thunderdome after this. He did, did Cocktail. Love Cocktail. We man. talked about, <laughs> so I think. Um, he did Young Guns, Dead Calm, Dances with Wolves, dude. That movie's gorgeous. Yeah. City Slickers, Waterworld. Uh, we were soldiers apocalypto. He had the Mel Gibson connection. Yeah. Um, apparently he was like key on this movie cause the production was so far out in the middle of nowhere yeah. that they couldn't get, it would take days for dailies to get back. So mm-hmm. apparently like George Miller just had to really rely on similar to say like, we got it or we didn't, we should do another take. That's awesome. Um, and, and you know, I think he was pretty spot on. Is Australia on your list? I'm, I'm sure we've talked about it at some point. Is Australia on the list of places you would like to go visit? I, I wanted, I want to take a month and I want to see everything. Yeah. Cause no. I know that like the cities I think are beautiful, but right. then that's the back country. The it's outback a, is, it's like the, uh, an entire continent that was created to kill people. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the, the snakes, the just spiders. Everything is just crocs. larger than life. Um, we would be remiss to not mention uh, Ms. Norma Morriso, the movie's costume designer. Dude. Yes. <laughs> because this movie has some of the most iconic costumes maybe ever, but like she also yeah. did uh, Beyond Thunderdome. 
Uh, she did Crocodiles Dundee 1 and 2. Oh. Um, she did the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, which I only vaguely remember seeing as a kid like, I on TBS. That. Yeah. I don't remember barely anything about it, but except that I loved it. And then she did uh, Patriot Games and then that weird-ass, ill-fated Island of Dr. Moreau with Oh, shit, with for real? Yeah. Was that an Australian production? Were they in a... Uh, they were, yeah, they were somewhere in like the South Pacific, like APAC region, we'll call it. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. Um, the stars, Mel Gibson, the legend. I mean, he is Mad Max, I guess. He's, he, he's the how the mighty have fallen, but man, he was on top of the world for a long time. I didn't realize before researching that Mel Gibson is born in America. Yeah. He was born in New York, mm-hmm. like upstate. And then moved to Australia at age 12. I just think of him as like the Australian import. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's, I was thinking also about him. It's rare to have like multiple successful franchises. Right. Like for one actor to have, he has Lethal Weapon and this. Yeah. Like that's pretty strong. Like yeah. I, it's hard to think of, I think Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford has been in three. Yeah. Star Wars. And I think of the, the Jack Jones. Ryan movies. The, oh yeah. Good call. Which he was in Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. Patriot Games. Okay. Um, only two. I don't know if that makes a fran- I don't know if that makes a franchise. If you play the same character more than once, that's franchise. In movies that are blockbusters. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, but of course, he's super successful even outside of those two franchises. Mel Gibson. He had Braveheart. I love Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, that was a good movie. Uh, Ransom. Ransom was awesome. Awesome. Payback was really good. The, I like the Patriot even. The, uh, I did to the Revolutionary, the Revolutionary War, War yeah. flick he did. Yeah, I was into it. Dog is a fine meal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you always reference. Dog is a fine meal. I, I hope to never find that yeah, out same. for myself. Same. Uh, we got Bruce Spence. Yes. Plays the gyro captain. I remember, I remember finding out that he was going to be like the mouth of Sauron, like the lieutenant yeah. in Return of the King. He's in like deleted scenes only, right? Or yeah. extended version He's scenes only. only. In the extended version in Return of the King. Yeah, that horrifying makeup on his face. His like, mouth was just a ruined. lips Yeah, thing. it was terrible. Ugh, it turns my stomach. But awesome, I think iconic Aussie actor. Oh, yeah. Um, star Vernon Wells, people. He was amazing in this movie. He's like... He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, he had, what, Commando, mm-hmm. which we talked about. He's amazing in. I don't, I didn't grow up watching Weird Science, but he seemed like he was basically playing this character in Weird Science. Yeah. Or he's a dude in leather and a mohawk. Yeah, same kind of deal. Okay. He's, he is excellent in what he does. Which, which is, is just a larger than life villain and so, so intense. Just screaming and opening his eyes real wide. And he, I mean, yeah, he plays crazy real good. Uh-huh. <laughs> had Emil Minty as the feral kid. We love the feral kid yeah. so much. Uh, this guy, Kel Nielsen as the humongous. It's a great character name. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> this stuff that George Miller was coming up with is a fucking amazing. Yeah. This dude was like Mr. Sweden, like a bodybuilder. He was Mr. Sweden. He trained Swedish Olympians, apparently. But again, this is like what we were just talking about, like going into the action genre. Miller's like, we need muscles. Did he invent like the steroid look? M- maybe. Well, I mean, Arnold was a, a a known commodity in the world prior to this, like from his pumping iron yeah. documentary days. But I don't know that they were just jacked dudes. There were, I mean... But if there were, they were mostly villains. Like Humongous was a villain. Like even like Bruce Lee was shredded, but he wasn't like a like a Titan. He wasn't steroid. No. So yeah, I would. It would be interesting to do like 
a study on the evolution of like how muscle porn became introduced into Stallone prior to this era. He was not the shredded roided up Stallone. He was like a little bit thick. Yeah. I mean, he was like a man's body. He was, he was, (laughs) he was a big muscular dude, but he was not also just shredded and lean. Yeah. He looked like he'd been hitting tires with a sledgehammer. That kind of strong, not roid rage strong. This dude, Kel Nielsen was bringing like the 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 bodybuilder yeah, aesthetic. Totally. Well, yeah, I guess at this point we'll talk about this fucking awesome movie. It's it's literally one of my all time favorite action it's, films. It's so good. So the opening title, um, you said on your Blu-ray it was Mad Max Two. Yeah. What did? How did you watch when it? When I queued it up on HBO Max, it said it just said Road Warrior. Really? Yeah. I imagine. I think theatrical releases in America, as I understand it, said The Road Warrior. Yeah. Like the the case that my Blu-ray is in says the Road Warrior, but the print has Mad Max Two I like on that. the front. Um, yeah, it's closer to George's vision. I imagine if you walked into a theater and you were expecting to go see the Road Warrior, and then it popped up Mad Max Two, you might think you're in the wrong Wait, theater. Should I leave? <laughs> but um, but no. Apparently, the American theatrical releases did say the Road Warrior off the top. Okay. So yeah, I don't I don't think it was uncommon though in those days for it to have like the title it was produced under was different than the title it was being released under. Well, what, mo- what Van Damme movie were we talking about that was released as like Tiger Claws 3 or oh, some shit? shit? It, yeah, was like it was Kickboxer. Was it Kickboxer or Bloodsport? It was one or the other. It was like part three of something, yeah. but it was the first movie. It, it had doesn't name even recognition. matter. It doesn't even matter. Their reasoning with making it the Road Warriors because they didn't think that Mad Max 2 would bring them in because people hadn't seen Mad Max. Right. But then you get movies like Troll 2, Right. That I think is in no way related to an original troll movie. They I were just like, that. I think they were just like, if we name it part two, people then like, people oh. will think, oh, it must be part of a successful franchise. People love sequels. Yes. <laughs> people love sequels without the original. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, the opening of the movie is in a little four by three box. Mm-hmm. We get the the classic wind whistle sound effects as the screen just like blacked out and a narrator's voice <laughs> comes out of the darkness. My life fades. The vision oh. dims. Oh, that reminds of memories. I'll remember a time of chaos, ruined dreams, the wasted land, but most of all, I'll remember the road warrior, the man we call Max. It's fucking, I love this narrator. Whoever that is has an epic voice. And and that is about as much story as you need, really. Yeah. I mean, but then, there, I mean, there's more, and he lays it out. And so during this, there's been this, like, slow zoom. It's not really slow, but it's like the zoom through the swirling smoke, and we finally see Max standing next to a car, like, nearly in silhouette. He, he looks rough. He looks like he's worse for wear, <laughs> like, one eye, like, busted clothes. The narrator says that to understand Max, you have to understand where he came from, which is another time. And this is where we get into why I, this movie is so timeless because it, you know, you know, I'm no, you have no idea when it, like yeah. how far in the future is it supposed to take place. And so there's nothing identifiable, not even the cars, because I mean, most of the cars are, you know, sort of like classic muscly looking cars, but then a lot of them are like bespoke. They were built out of whatever odds and ends you yes. could find. So, um, I mean, the opening monologue also is just like let fucking mythic. Yeah, it's like, awesome. It, I love movies like this that open with a, like, dude, I don't know if there's ever been a better first few minutes to a movie than Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, like the the history of the rings. Yes. Bit with Kate fucking Blanchett. amazing. Yeah, it's, I, still, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Me too. <laughs> it's awesome. Like, I, 
when you like it just building a world the world is changing kevin i feel it <laughs> I, feel I feel it in the water <laughs> oh my god dude i watched this movie like last week or maybe the week before with a couple of dudes who hadn't seen it in a while and when it opens in the little four by three box mm-hmm. like they were questioning the awesomeness of my of my blu-ray <laughs> That's they were awesome. like why is it four by three and i'm like just wait boys yeah, just wait just chill Chill, like guys. It's, it's for effect. Yeah. <laughs> so the narrator talks about when the world was fueled by, uh, by the black fuel oil, the desert sprouted great cities of pipe and steel refineries. Gone, gone now, swept away for reasons long forgotten. Two mighty warrior tribes went to war. We'll call them the United States of America and whoever, China, probably. <laughs> yes. So the entire world was uh, essentially drawn into World War Three, And as the world was destroyed, the oil dried up, the war machine grinds to a halt, and then world leaders finally decided, oh, now we got to get together and talk about, to- we, we got to talk it out now. And talked, talked and talked. And talked. Yeah, civilization crumbled. Nothing could stem the avalanche. Cities burned as people turned on each other. A whirlwind of looting, firestorm of fear. Men began to feed on men. How a fucking epic is that? It's crazy. <laughs> it paints such a picture, man. Um, the great We've seen, dude, how little disruption it takes to the the system for yeah. people to start acting fucking crazy. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And yeah, On you the made roads, this. Note. It was a white line nightmare. It's fucking <laughs> yeah, it's, awesome. But it's like all happening over this like newsreel footage. You see things from like D Day, but then you see footage of like Vietnam. So it's like splicing all these wars together. Yeah. So you're not really sure when it's happening. Um, yeah. Then the narrator begins to talk about like war- turf warfare on the roads that only those mobile enough to scavenge, brutal <laughs> enough to pillage would survive. We're told that gangs took over highways, waging war over gas. Ordinary men were broken and driven to madness. We see, we start to see like um, scenes from the original Mad Max, which we should probably recap. Yeah. Like it just, what happened? I think according to like the internet, this is supposed to be about five years after Mad that, Max. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's um this, like in Mad Max, apparently the that was supposed to be at the time that society was on the brink of collapse. Right. And then there were uh, still laws. There were still cops. And the nuclear holocaust is supposed to have happened just a few weeks after the first movie. Right. Um. Yeah. And then George Miller said in his mind, like these events happened in the late nineties. Okay. And then thunder Thunderdome was about fifteen years further after that. But um. Yeah. Basically, the what's the plot of Mad Max is he's a cop. Yep. Uh, he's in a dystopian future. Yeah, in which these gangs, road gangs, have started to take over the highways. Cops are like struggling to to maintain. Yeah, struggling order. to maintain order. Um, he causes great damage to one of the gangs, and they come after him and his and his family. They kill his wife and his newborn child. Yeah, it's just, and as you said earlier, it's sort of a slow burn because basically it's like he he does like a revenge killing on the guy that was like it's responsible the, for his friends. Yeah, he sort of, that shatters him and he yeah. becomes a crazy fucking person yeah. and goes after and kills. Um, God, that movie had epic bad guys too, though. The, the toe cutter and the night rider. Sweet names. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what toe cutter means, but it freaks me out. I think it just means what it sounds like, man. Uh, but he cuts toes. <laughs> yeah. He cuts toes. Probably uh, wears them. Dude. At the, so at the end of that film, he has the one, they're sort of crony. Yeah. And he handcuffs them. To uh-huh. like the burning wreckage, he set up sort of a makeshift fuse. He gives him a hacksaw, and he's like, you know, this the car's gonna blow up in five minutes. You could probably ha- you could probably out. saw your foot off in two minutes, or you can try to saw through the metal, but you'll never make it. And just leaves him. Yep. Fucking amazing. 
Yeah, it's rough. Rough <laughs> for that guy. But yeah, as you say, like he some massive PTSD. He becomes a shell of a man, burnt a burnt out, desolate man. Haunted. It's so amazing. It is. The writing's great. Haunted by the demons of his past, Max sort of wanders around the wasteland, we guess, five years. And uh, and it was here, in this blighted place, that he learned to live again. It's fucking amazing, dude. Like, okay, then the movie goes widescreen. And it's like, holy shit. That's fucking badass. Yeah. It blasts into widescreen. Yep. I, I mean, this was years ago. Shout out to my friend Adam. Both of our friends, Adam. Yeah, he was Ad our college Rock. roommate. Hello, Adam, living hey, in the greater Dallas, Texas That's area. Right. <laughs> but we went to a midnight screening of this, and I'm telling you, when it went from 4 by 3 to widescreen, it was like cheers. It was a raucous scene in the theater. Uh, like, it's go, amazing. I want to go see this The in sound the design on this movie is incredible yeah. as well. The score plus just the the ambient noise of engines and all that. It, yeah, it's Dope. it's a cacophony, but in a good way. So the movie goes widescreen. We see Max and his dog, who we'll call Dog, yes. r- rolling down the highway, <laughs> being pursued by some rough-looking customers. Like some, There's some souped-up car, what looks like a dune buggy and a motorcycle are in hot pursuit, and they're all wearing like spiky leather masks. And uh-huh. Max is what looks like a heavily modded-out like 80s V8 Mustang. It looks like the car from, like it's the same car from... The, the first Mad Max. The last it of was, the eight. It was literally the same vehicle, yeah, I think. Okay. Um, it was a 1973 Ford Falcon. Okay. Uh, XBGT Coupe. I think it was uh, a car produced exclusively for the Australian market. That's awesome. But yeah, it literally was like the same car. They went and found the same vehicle that was in a wherever the fuck. That's so and awesome. They, um, yeah, and then they built a second one to be crashed in okay. this movie, but yeah. the, the, the hero car or whatever was... The literal same vehicle from the first movie. That's so badass. It now apparently resides in like this Hollywood car museum in in the UK. That's somewhere. Um, yeah, dude, his car is fucking dope. Do you like the movie opening mid chase? Yeah. Apparently, there was more like to it. They he drove by a farm where Wes and the guys were loot raiding the farm, and they saw his hot car, and they started chasing him. No, I, Do you I like, like it just mid chase. Yeah, I think it's like you're immediately because the narration sets everything up. It's like yeah. we know who Max is, and we know why these guys are after. You him. get that moment of just like the car, the camera sort of zooms out from like the mm-hmm. air intake, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, we we immediately meet Wes Vernon Wells with his <laughs> sort of like reddish mohawk and his his beautiful male companion they're on a motorcycle yeah um and max is like weaving through wreckage on the road dog seems bored <laughs> like it or at least not concerned dude i love that dog it's a warning i'm gonna be praising the dog oh, like yeah. for the entire series it's here. like some australian cattle dog we've seen that breed in other movies i think yeah, um, maybe but he's look it's such an epic dog yeah great and character. a great performance yeah great character uh we get a shot of the dashboard and see max's car is running on empty Max sort of gives dog a look and dog retreats to the back of the car. He's like, you need to, you need to get back there. Some shit's about to go down. Um, he lets the bad guys gain some ground. And as they come up alongside, he pulls a Maverick from Top Gun and hits the brakes and lets them fly right by. For sure. The letter, leather daddy in the car had been like pulling up and shoots an arrow and it hits Wes. Like he shot through the car and it hit Wes in the arm. So the bad guys like peel off. Or I guess it was that the car had gone back and he shot him. As the as the, yeah, the he car got caught, whatever. Backwards. At any point, he inadvertently shot Wes. Yeah. So the bad guys sort of peel off. Max hits the blower and fucking like floors it forward. Oh. The he uh, like hits the car into the dune buggy and it sends both crashing into a big rig that's sitting dead on the road. Cars go flipping. The this is the first of the movies. Many 
many amazing stunts and practical effects. I was reading somewhere that it was like, you know, 200 stunts in the movie or something, but for a movie that's like 92 minutes long, 200 stunts is more than two stunts per minute. Yeah. It's awesome. It's amazing. So Max slams on the brakes. He jumps out with dog and scurries over to collect leaking gas from the wreckage. Up the road, we see, he sees Wes and his companion like watching. <laughs> describe, describe the costumes. So Wes is wearing... I don't know if we've seen his assless chaps, but we Wes is wearing like big, he's wearing like big shoulder pads with Feathered. like fur, yeah, their feather or fur on them or something. He's got this rowdy ass mohawk and like a little like soul patch thing <laughs> yeah. going on. Yes. And just like the widest, scariest, bluest eyes you've ever seen. And then his companion has got like this flowing. He looks like he sort of looks like. Not Peter Frampton, but Framptonish, <laughs> like beautiful, like that, but very, uh-huh. very skinny and wearing like a cross harness <laughs> on his body. It was, I mean, it was, it was S and M gear. <laughs> yeah, big like time. it was a, a gimp type outfit. He had a leash, yeah, like a chain. A leash he was on. chained to something. Whoever the, the character you, you said the character's name is the Golden Youth. Yeah, dude, he's credited as the Golden Youth. I love that. As we find out that like it seems like Wes Wes and the Golden Youth were well at least Wes was infatuated or in love with so, with the I Golden have, Youth. I have notes. <laughs> uh, apparently, originally, this character was written as a female. The Golden Youth was supposed to be like his uh-huh. his chick or whatever. But Gen- George Miller really wanted to like play with gender like in the in this world. That's awesome. Also, though, it certainly makes things more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But according to Vernon Wells, the actor who played Wes. He says that the Golden Youth wasn't a sexual partner, that he says the backstory was that Wes found the Golden Youth as a child, like while they were on a raid and he sort of adopted him. He like convinced his his gang to spare his life and has been raising him like as his son. Hmm. I have no clue. I don't know. He said he's basically like a surrogate father. That's dubious to me. You don't keep your son on a leash. That's fucking that's like Charlton Heston saying that the relationship between Ben Hur and whatever his buddy's name <laughs> is yeah. in that type. I can't remember the guy, the character's name, but that like, cause um, who was it? Gore Vidal wrote that uh-huh. relationship to that. They, that they had, there'd been a sexual companionship okay. at one point and Charlton Heston's like, no, no, that's not what it was. And Gore Vidal's like, yeah, total. I wrote the character. That's exactly what it was. I think it's, yeah, it could be Vernon Wells. like trying to like retcon. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The thing. Um, I mean, I dig the ambiguity of it though. Yeah. And like, just let the audience, Draw your own conclusions well, on matter? what yeah, the exactly. relationship is with these two. Yeah, I l- fucking love that shit, dude. Yeah, so Max spies Wes spying him. He's throwing down some sundries to catch gas, including like a helmet, a jug, a fucking plate. <laughs> like, They're all filled with dirt also. Like yeah. it just made me think like, is that if you dump like sort of dirty gas in your car, is it going to Maybe he puts it in like maybe he puts it through a sieve first. But he's also he had like a rag and was like mopping gas off. He could totally he could filter it through a rag or something. So Wes lets out this crazy scream, pulls the arrow out of his arm, which is badass, (laughs) and then puts the arrow in his own like leg quiver. Yes. And then he's like smiling at Max this whole time. Then he revs the motorcycle. Max draws his sword off shotgun and gets ready to throw down. And Dog, who's like been picking at a dead kangaroo, stops eating, is like also seems to get ready to throw down. I like that Max and Dog seem more or less unfazed. Yeah. By this insanity that's happening in yeah. front of them. And I, I think that that's part and parcel of like what George Miller is saying. This has been five years of yeah. Max having lived this he's, existence. He's seen this shit. He's been seeing this same shit for years. And there's nothing in the movie that really surprises him, it, you know, as it goes along. So it's amazing as the music and all this is building to like oh, this yeah. intense crescendo. Yeah. 
is fucking yeah. amazing to but me. Wes and Golden Youth just sort of ride off. <laughs> yeah. um, he does this insane wheelie yeah. as he's driving off. Uh, Max continues to pick through the wreckage, looking for anything that's worth the taking. Um, so like a dying bad guy, like lets out one last gas, which is sort of jarring. It's like, oh shit, uh-huh. um, which is very cool. The music for this movie. I just, yeah, like you were just saying, it's fucking epic. It's epic and orchestral one moment. And then like in this scene, it shifts over to some very like bleak David Lynchian sounding soundscape where it's just like one droning note, but it's like this synth. It's like, it's crazy. I want to, yeah, I need to check out the soundtrack, like the score by itself isolated from the movie. Cause I'm just curious to hear how it sounds just standalone on its own. You we know? can find it on LP somewhere. That'd be badass. Dude, a few things I love. I love the graffiti on the side of the trailer. It's, it's the that vermin. Uh, the vermin have inherited the earth. Mm-hmm. And then I also love the fact that dog is picking at a kangaroo. Like, just imagine living somewhere where there are fucking wild kangaroos hopping around. Which yeah. our, 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 our friends and listeners in Australia probably, I don't know how normal it is where you have to go to see a wild kangaroo they're fucking That's awesome. everywhere you think no, it's like a deer are. here they or are, something yeah they are a nuisance in a lot of places they're so plentiful i've been like digging of late there's been this fox or family of foxes that passes through my yard here and it's amazing it's just so surreal to see it yeah though. yeah You're just like holy shit that's a wild that's like a wild animal and also while while we're on that note, a shout out to all of our listeners in Australia. This one's specifically for you guys <laughs> and, and because we love this fucking movie. Um, so we get a jump moment as that corpse falls. He like opens the door and a corpse falls out and the yeah. corpse's face is nasty. It doesn't, I mean, it's Ugh. dead, but it hasn't been dead long, maybe like a week or so. Do you think that's what it's like? All it's like very spl- like bloated. Yeah, and- it's bloated and juicy. It's not not dried out yet in that Australian desert. We should describe Max's look because I feel like this is the first time we get a head to toe look at what how Max is attired. Right. So just black leather, head to toe leather, right gloves. Yeah. As the sleeve is missing, it's like cut off, and because I think it's because he got damaged in the first movie. Yeah. It's his whole get up, and then if if you've seen the first movie, you remember he suffered a leg injury, and so he got shot in the knee or something. He is still uh, still nursing that injury. His leg is in some kind of a brace that he's. I love he's got also like the tool belt with all sorts of wrenches and binoculars and stuff on it. It's just like, I guess, the essentials for this world. Apocalyptic Batman. Dude, that's such a a great costume. And it just seems timeless. It's not like it doesn't be like, oh, that's outdated or that's definitely. Yeah, it's still Um, rad. Max finds like a little music box that plays happy birthday. So he takes that and he leaves. It's a great shot of him like rolling out into some incredibly austere desert landscape. The lighting like, and we, you know, sing the praises of the DP in this, but like the light of that shot is phenomenal. What is it? It's it's sort of like just this red purplish hue on the horizon and the desert just, I mean, it looks like a painting. It looks fake, but it's, it's not. And it's just, I wonder, like, did they nail that on the first try, or did they have to sit and wait for sunsets multiple days in a row? Oh, to, do you think it, it was it, is this sort of an end of the day yeah, type? Yeah, it of looks time? like an end of the day shot, or or like a first thing in the morning shot okay. when the sun's rising. I love that shit. Um, so later on, we cut. Max happens upon something in the middle of the road, and as he pulls up, he sees what looks like some kind of flying machine. There's, it's open <laughs> with a like a helicopter prop and a tail, and then another prop on the back. So it's, it's a gyro. It's a gyrocopter. If you those ever, shits were like in vogue. Yeah. Apparently in the 80s. Um, I remember going to several 
you know, like country bumpkin fairs and always in these little towns, there was some fuck whack job that had a gyrocopter. You could get your own kit and yeah. like build it with a motorcycle Nuts. engine or something. Nuts. There was one in, in the old school Annie musical. I remember someone's flying around in a gyrocopter. Awesome. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. <laughs> and Shit. Remember, we were watching that, that old crazy. Price is Right episodes from the 80s. Like, right. They were fucking giving a gyrocopter away to a contestant. How the fuck dangerous is that? <laughs> they probably died. Here's a sued, kit to a gyrocopter. And sued Have Hollywood. Fun. Yeah, sued Bob Holy Barker. Shit. Um, a wary Max is approaching with a crowbar, suspecting it could be a setup. Um, Smart. And, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Everything is a trap in this world. Everything. I feel like. As he gets closer, we see the machines like decorated with like naked ladies. Yes, it was um, a theme with uh, the gyro captain. <laughs> we also see that it, there's like a snake, some kind of venomous snake wrapped around the bottom of the prop. Mm-hmm. Um, he Max with cat-like reflexes snatches the snake with his bare hand and then at that moment a man pops up from underneath the sand with a crossbow how long how long has my man been buried (laughs) under there waiting hours is it just is he under there because he's waiting with his trap or is he because it's cooled out under the sand i think he's probably been maybe both it could be how often would someone pass by yeah, I imagine it. You're up. Well, you could be under there for hours. If he had, if he'd passed by, somehow he's passed by undetected. We think, but he Maybe knows. He, he knows Max the refinery from miles down the road or something. Or hear him coming. That's yeah. a that's a pervasive thing to this movie. It's like you would think that with as much ingenuity as Max had, that he could do something about that engine to make, make it quiet. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this is the gyro captain jumping uh-huh. up out of the sand. He, he, sand. he tells Max um, to not hurt the snake and to drop his weapons. Yes. He's, Don't hurt the snake! He's very twitchy. It seemed to me like he was probably like covered with ants or something, the way that he was like twitching around and stuff. I took it as like he was sort of on the verge of whatever. He's just been in the sun too long. Like sunstroke. He's like probably. He's lost his mind. I love his getup. Again, he's wearing like the wardrobe, a pilot's cap, a leather trench coat, uh-huh. a purple scarf, leggings, and what, like yellow long johns. Yeah, he was and, then, and then his shoes are some cross between like some pink Chuck Taylors and like be- <laughs> they look like bedroom shoes almost, like some lady slippers. He it found seemed like or they something. were. Yeah, it seemed like they were pink. Pink Chuck Taylor All-Stars that have been patched up numerous times or something. It's amazing. He looks crazy. Um, But he says he wants Max's gas. Big surprise. Max warns he's like, the the car is booby. The car is booby trapped. Explode. Uh, (laughs) Gyro Captain's intrigued. He's never seen anyone beat the snake before. And But he says, you know, like, you've got reflexes. I've got brains. So I love that shit. um, He had a little bit of like, you know what? He had the energy of Yoda when Luke first showed up on Dagobah. And you're like. A lot of little twitchy and giggling. Yeah. Like an inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But he seemed like he seemed out of his mind. But I think it's from isolation as well. Probably. Hasn't talked to anyone in a year. And he's obviously like Max, very resourceful because how has he managed to survive? Uh Uh-huh five, ten years out in the middle of nowhere as the gyrocopter captain. <laughs> um, so Max Niels reaches under the car. We see the kill switch from underneath for the booby trap and a knife and a sheath, which Max starts to get. And so the captain, who's got this crossbow trained on Max, you know, guesses he's like, a, you know, a clever guy would have a weapon stashed under there, and Max does. So we see Max instead, like, put the knife back, flip the switch, and then, like, just starts walking, walking away towards uh-huh. the driver door. Well, he the, sort of makes a sudden move towards the car, yeah. and I think it it's alarms. Yeah, the, 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 the captain's guy. like, what the fuck are you doing? So he, like, bumps Max aside and goes to open the door himself, and then Dog jumps out and attacks <laughs> the guy. 
the first of many dog assists. Yes, in the dog film. is awesome. This is dog assist number one. Yeah. So while Captain's distracted, Max pulls a knife, jumps on him. The captain immediately gives up the goods. He's like, there's a place, there's thousands of gallons of gas nearby, as much as you can want. Max wants to know where the guy tells him it's 20 miles away. Captain says the people there, are, they're pumping it and refining it themselves, which... Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Yeah, yeah, make it uh, <laughs> a tank, a tankful. Max is like not buying him. Um, the captain's like, it's too hard. It's, it's we, not it's self-service. self-service. <laughs> yeah, it's too hard for me, but with a man of your ingenuity. A man like, of your ingenuity. It's like, we could, we could do this. So Max... It's like, tell me where it is. And Captain's like, if you kill me, you'll never know. Uh-huh. So Max drags him to the car with, <laughs> with the dog like latched onto his scarf. I'm going to call that dog assist number two. Dude, the dog yeah, is absolutely. fucking amazing. And we're, we very quickly get dog assist number three because as they're driving, Max <laughs> yes. has got the, cap- the captain like tied up and rigged with a shotgun with a string attached to it. Yeah. And like the dog is like holding the string. The, the look on the dog's face is fucking incredible. Like I love all all of this. It's like some beast master shit. Yes, exactly. Like how much he's like in sync with the dog. Yeah. Did you wait? Did you dig the, um, it happens throughout the film, but yeah. this was the first occurrence of the star Wars wipe. Yes. Like this, the transition between yes. scenes, which I love this era of movies. Cause everyone was just being inspired by every, what everyone else yeah. was doing. And he's like, Oh dude, I love those wipes. Like I'm, I'm going to try it. Change transition from one scene to another. So it's like an old, but I feel like that is an old school trick. Yeah. Like an old Errol Flynn type yeah. transition amazing yeah bring it back put some glitter on it and make it your own so yeah the captain panics when dog spots <laughs> spots like a jackrabbit i like the dog's eyes like looking out the window is so awesome dude the dog gives he's got like this expressive face yeah it's like you read a soul into him but yeah like it's a great laugh moment and it's also just like we don't deserve dogs that's that's true. So, <laughs> cut to later on. Max has Captain in shackles. They're climbing up a bluff to get a good look down on the refinery. It's an amazing location. Like this, this is epic. It is so that shot is awesome with Max and the Captain left in the foreground yeah. with the motorcycles and cars like zooming around and kicking up all the sand below. Yeah, dude. It sort of reminds me of the shot in uh, Two Towers where Frodo, Max, and Sam are rolling up to the Black Gate, and they're all up on the hillside looking down at the Black Gate. Oh, yeah. I got the, the same march vibe. march the armies out yeah. and stuff. And the music in this scene was what I was talking about earlier. Sounds like Brian May ripped off Gustav Holst, um, his planet suite. This is like the, the movement's called Mars, the bringer of war. Okay. But the, the music is like... Which also is heavily in Star Wars films. John Williams ripped... Uh, Holst off heavily, but <laughs> but you know what? Like I said, put some glitter on it, make it your own. Um, so as Max is like watching through binoculars, he sees it's just like the captain said, but he uh-huh. sees that the people inside the refinery complex are under siege from a gang outside. Captain says it's been like this for. He's like, I was here four days ago, and then these these dudes rolled up. The people inside aren't giving in. Um, and they're defending themselves like flamethrowers and firebombs and fire arrows. And yeah, he says that they wonder how much like food or water they could possibly have inside. Like how long could they last when they're under siege like this? Right. And so if they've been there four days, like, yeah, I mean, you have to assume that they've been sending out scouts with for food and stuff before. I started thinking probably before the humongous and these guys arrived, like they probably had people would come and trade them food or water for, for gas. That's a good point. Um, but they doing now a good business. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he, so yeah, captain's like, I think there are about 30 people inside heavily armed 
and they're not looking to let any newcomers in. He also says that the gang that they're seeing on the ground was drawn like a moth to the flame and they keep attacking, but it's been unsuccessful to this point. And it's <laughs> at this moment that Max sees a buff-ass dude who looks like he's in charge, who's nearly naked except for a strategically placed S&M gear and a metal hockey mask. And so this is our first look at Lord Humongous. It's fucking incredible. He, and we also see he's got a weirdly bald head with like a few isolated strands of like limp hair. It's almost like in Jason, like when you see it yes. in Jason in the Friday the 13th flicks. Yes, exactly the vibe that I This was years well. before Jason Voorhees like donned the mask though. That's in nuts. those films. In the original conception, this character, the humongous, was meant to have been Max's former police friend, Goose. Yeah. From the first film. Yeah. That, like, got burned up in a crash and now has become this guy. But I think this that's not supposed to be how it is in this movie. But I think in, like, first drafts, they were like, it's going to be his friend, Goose. He's gone crazy now, but gone to the dark side His or whole whatever. body would have had to have been mangled burned and stuff so i guess i think why a lot of the goons are meant to be like former police and they're driving police vehicles and stuff we also see wes from earlier and and the golden (laughs) youth uh they roll up on a motorcycle and start like talking to humongous inside the complex we see a big tanker parked which the captain says holds thousands of gallons of gasoline he Mm -hmm. says um and max is just the man to get inside but meanwhile i need to go tend to my snakes (laughs) The captain is awesome. I uh, love him. Yeah, he's like, who's who? Wait, what's he been feeding those snakes? Yeah, and and later on in the movie, I he's just like, got like snakes on snakes. He's pulling snakes out of everywhere. If you're catching mice and whatever rabbits or whatever a snake might eat, you're not. You'd be eating those yourself, I right. think, not feeding them to the snake. Right. Anyway, um, that just had me laughing. So the captain says. Hey man, I held up my end of the deal and, and you should let me go. But Max like drags him away. And while he's <laughs> Max like, is a tough guy to deal is, with. It's like shackling him up to a tree. And he said, the, arra- the arrangement was I wouldn't kill you. He then goes back to watching the refinery through binoculars. Sometime later, dog and the captain are both like napping and love fucking dog laying on his back with his legs up in the air. So awesome. That, that dog the, was amazing. Like he gives, <laughs> he might give the best performance in the movie or Wes might be number one and dog number two. Max is by far like, it's like everything else. It's sort of like Tom. He's understated. Yeah. He's everything else shines. He's in the movie. quiet and still. Yeah. Yeah. And it lets like everything else be like over the top. Um, so we see Max like opening up a can of Dinky D or Dinky Die, whatever uh, it is. On the commentary, it, I don't know if it's the accent or what, but they pronounced it Dinky Die. Dinky Dink, Die. Which when I say it, it sounds like Dinky Die. Dinky Die. I think it was probably like diet, something that, like that. that Dinky's that diet. That phrase is Australian slang. It means like authentically Australian or genuinely Australian. If something is Dinky Die, that is it means authentically Australian dog food. That's fucking awesome. So yeah, the the dog and the captain like hear Max opening this can, like looking up hungrily. The dog is awesome. Like a look, just like sort of like leaning up like a human being to it's see like what's every happening. Every single dog has that move. It'll just <laughs> stare at you while you're eating. I love that the captain pulls his own fucking spoon out of his coat to yeah. like join in <laughs> just in case. But yes. uh, Max is still watching the scene down at the refinery, waiting for his moment. Um, Lord Humongous is down there directing smegma crazies and gay boy berserkers, <laughs> like bossing them around. The Humongous's army is made up of the following: we got skinheads. They drive tow trucks and wear football pads. Uh huh. Lots of football pads in this movie. I guess you got to use what armor you can find. Yep. The punks who are mohawkers. Um, they're like the bike riding faction. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so I guess 
Wes is a Wes mohawker. Is a punk. He's a mohawker. Yeah. yeah. They're the gay boy berserkers. Yeah. Maybe former, they're all the guys that are riding around in the in police, the police cars. vehicles. Yeah. And then, and then the smegma crazies. Where do these names come from? George it's amazing, Miller dude. It's from a coke fueled nightmare. <laughs> like smegma crazies. And, and they're all like former military, like wearing military free. It's like, yeah. So I, yeah, it's, I, I feel know. like it's someone's like, put thought, but someone's put thought into how this world is organized now. Yeah, like who would be the most likely to join my army? Uh huh. And the the group <laughs> as a whole is a, referred to as uh, Humongous's Marauders. Yeah, the Marauders. Where they filmed this, bro, it was like this Broken Hill uh-huh. is the is the name of the area or the town. It was a mining community. Mining for what? I don't know. I saw they do tours of like old mines there. I, I was googling, and it just said they were mining ore. Mm, I don't know if that's gold or or iron. I don't know what. If you're listening and you know, hit us up. Adamantium. Um, (laughs) Yeah, please. I would love to know. But there was this talk on the commentary that so much of the of Humongous's gang is like we're just extras who were in the town, like miners and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Like you know, they made them cut their hair into mohawks, which the dudes were like all okay. embarrassed and they said they were filming in wintertime so they'd go around just wearing these skull caps and stuff to hide <laughs> but I think after a few weeks it became like fucking cool to have a mohawk in town like it meant you were part of the movie and That's like the awesome. dudes had the most swag or whatever it's I love they, that they were probably doing better with the ladies than they ever had before for sure they're like small town. they're next to the movie people now so we see like a dirt biker like jump a ramp into the compound which is badass um max tosses the empty can to dog who like snarls when the captain tries to take it <laughs> I, lo- I love that moment this dog <laughs> seems like feral doesn't he like oh, yeah. he is going at people hard yeah. uh, they said apparently the dog like really liked bruce spence the oh that's awesome. captain actor so they had to really get the dog riled up to get him to sort of nip at him and all that that's cool i, I like to i hope that bruce Bruce Spence, if you're listening, I hope you're a nice guy. You seem like a nice guy. He seems awesome um, and tall as hell. Yeah, he's real tall and lanky. <laughs> Later on, it's like duskish. The captain's like scooping the last bits of dinky dye out of the can. Then a siren wakes a sleeping Max. He looks down at the refinery and sees that Lord Humongous and the Marauders are leaving, and we're they're going to make camp nearby. That shot is incredible. It's at Magic Hour awesome. as the sh- the cars are all driving off, and you see these dust trails being lit by the last light of the sun it's so cool. incredible also i like gyro captain sort of d- daintily dabbing his mouth with yeah, his so handkerchief get his napkin out like uh, he's it's so, so proper funny. it's still like that's amazing because it's the world that he grew up in was yeah. like this is tea time or whatever you yeah. know and you're like a proper dainty boy you got to uh <laughs> you got to keep some things intact otherwise you devolve it's fucking amazing what an opening act. yeah that, that yeah fucking a it is badass <laughs> i love this movie yeah we hope you guys are enjoying the ride pun intended and uh and we can't wait to uh entertain you again next time we'll be back <laughs>